everybody, it's Rich is with you, The Green Peak. And starting this week, we have a bit of a new segment on the show. We're looking at advice for investors who are considering entering the cannabis industry. And, you know, there's a lot of people who ask questions, how to judge an opportunity and the safest ways to invest. And of course, like anything else in a new and developing industry, it's high risk, high reward. But even at that, you want to minimize your risks and you want to make well-educated decisions. So we decided to put together a, a series of segments with regards to investing in cannabis and decisions people should make. And on our first segment for the show, I'm happy to welcome Tommy Mancuso, who is the president and co-founder of the Bad Investment Company. Welcome aboard, Tommy. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate you having me on the show today. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's kick it off with right off the bat, the name, the Bad Investment Company. Obviously, it's the <laughs> antithesis of that is really where you're going. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So the Bad Investment Company, right, as a new ETF issuer in the marketplace, we really wanted to uh, create a name that would make us stand out, right? There's a lot of tough competition. There's big players in the industry. Uh, yep. On the counter side, we also wanted to create a financial product and the kind of our, our signature ETF that we just launched this past December is the BAD ETF, which ultimately invests in betting alcohol and drugs. Now, drugs is also uh, pharmaceuticals and biotechs, um, but we do have a 10% allocation within that for cannabis space. And not to mention, when we look at alcohol and some of the drug companies, they also have some exposure there. So really happy to be on the show with you guys here um, and kind of talk about ways new investors or early investors in cannabis can really get this exposure and kind of our overall stance on it. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about pharmaceuticals, I assume you're not talking about Pfizer and Merck. You're looking more into, let's say, psilocybin and some of the other areas that are developing. So we we are, no, we are on the, the biotech and pharma side. Biotech, that, okay. that drug side. Now we do have a cannabis allocation in there, but, you know, Pfizer and J&Js, those companies do have taken some equity stake in some of those companies or have, pharmaceuticals yeah. and, and psilocybins and things of that nature. So there is some, some general overlap there, but that's why we wanted to make this, you know, it's called basically a SIN ETF to some extent. Right. That pharmaceutical side gives us a little bit more stability with the long-term growth and just, you know, everything that comes along in the uh, pharmaceutical space. Sure. No, that, make, that makes really good sense. And, you know, one of the points you've, uh, you make in a lot of your information is the industries your ETF tracks are essentially consumer staples today, right? People, no matter the economic environment, people will go out and buy their beer, they'll drink, they're going to gamble, yeah. and they need medicine. Right. And medicine. And, you know, if they're not drinking, you know, beer or anything else, they're probably uh, having a smoke. Yes. And all of these are things that have some, you know, they're not recession proof, but they absolutely have viability through the market. How do you know, let's focus on the cannabis area for today. Yeah. How do you recommend people look at the industry from an investment perspective? Absolutely. So in the cannabis space, with every new industry, there's going to be some growing pains when we look at this and we take it, take a 10,000 square foot view here. Right now, we've seen a lot of small players, especially in the U.S., kind of enter the marketplace and raise capital by going to the OTC markets. We've seen companies headquarter themselves up in Canada when you take in companies like Canopy or uh, uh, Kronos, Tilray, some of those international companies. And so when we take a look at there, right, those bigger companies 
are eventually going to be able to enter the U.S. marketplace and really more so, I say, establish themselves here. But until then, right, they're facing all these challenges when it comes to the, you know, the Safe uh, Banking Act and, right. and you know, being able to, you know, get finances and, you know, open the public, get exposure to the public markets. So when we're looking at this, right, we want to say, who are the bigger players right now? One of the main things we want to focus on is what is their revenue growth, right? Right now, a lot of these companies, as they enter there, they're making a lot of investment. They're carrying a lot of debt at this point in time. But if if these companies are capable of showing revenue growth as they're entering new marketplaces, they have a, a sale process that is seed seed to sale, where they're kind of you know checking all those boxes across the part that it takes to get cannabis into the industry. Those are companies that we typically want to look at. On the smaller you know cap size of things or over over the counter companies. Right now, there's going to be a lot of risk associated with those companies, maybe because they don't have the same investment or the management experience isn't there. They're in a new market. They're maybe U.S. based where the rules are still a little bit, I'd say, gray and foggy to some extent. And then there's a lot of, I'd say, overflow in the market. A lot of people when, you know, states come on board and legalize cannabis, whether medically or, or recreational, there's a flood to the market by a lot of players. So there's a lot of hands, you know, trying to get in the same cookie jar. So with that, we may see a lot of consolidation in the smaller cap industry. And who's going to be buying those companies? Probably some of those bigger players that are more established. And maybe a way for someone in, you know, Canada to enter the marketplace in the U.S. by kind of acquiring or taking more of a, you know, or investment perspective. Sure, but the investor who's looking at that, Mm-hmm. Where, where, you know, should they be looking at those smaller OTC firms with an eye towards them being acquired and getting the lift? Or do you really, you know, do you, when you're advising and you're looking at things, do you look at these are the large companies which are going to end up dominating and where you should place your bets, even though they may have less lift in the near term? Yeah, I would say diversifying is going to be your best option when it comes to this and kind of having exposure to all I'd say all different sizes and flavors of the cannabis world. Right now, if you're a new investor and depending on your budget and your risk tolerance, I would say stay clear of the OTC markets, um, definitely, and those smaller cap areas, just because these companies can obviously go down in significant, you know, and they can lose a significant amount of their market cap overnight. You could have a hedge fund come in and short them. You could have them go bankrupt and just kind of multiple things. And those smaller companies... That's where that risk really lies. Now, again, with those larger companies, despite them kind of carrying on debt, trying to go through these growing pains while they're reinvesting in themselves and whatnot, those companies is where I would focus on as a new investor looking for this exposure. Because if you have a long-term outlook, you know that you're going to eventually acquire those companies. You're going to get capitalized on some of that market cap. You're going you're gonna to ride this steady, uh, I'd say, steady train up over the long term, even though we may be experiencing a little bit of choppiness right now, at least you're going to be mitigating your risk to some extent and not have, you know, the the Armageddon situation, which may happen in the OTC markets. It absolutely is, you know, always the risk. And, you know, even though there's the opportunity for some to pop and do phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, the risk is also they drop a lot. And, you know, I think we've all experienced that. None of us like it, but it's what happens. Um but you know, when you look at you look at some of those you know investments, and you you know, yeah, you've got the canopies and the tillrays and the like, and they have their 
their value and that's there. And, you know, they still have their own risk, of course, from a um, perspective of the balance sheet being an issue. Whereas a lot of the uh, in-state operators in the U.S. and even some of the MSOs, the revenue growth is strong. Are they a, a different path for the investor? Because, you know, the investor who's looking at it and looking at the various companies, it is a bit of a a challenge to sort out what's what and you know some yes they're seed to sale but some are focused on just one area of the market yeah so i would say with with those u.s companies at this day and age right it's it can be difficult to find the appropriate company to kind of invest in and sometimes the better ones are going to be on the on the private markets and so that's something i would say for investors if you're looking to maybe get some cannabis investment uh, exposure see everyone probably knows someone in that industry right especially if you're a state or living in a big city where cannabis has recently gone legal you know there's small investment groups and parties that are getting together and i would say in those private markets is probably going to be your best bet if you're looking at some of the smaller areas Again, I think there's just sometimes a little bit too much maybe manipulation in the OTC markets to some extent. Um, you know, there's also the fear of them reissuing share, uh, shares to, you know, get to raise more capital for their company. And then you're just getting diluted at the end of the day. So I'd say if you're going to focus in some of those smaller markets, see if you can get something on the private side of investments. If not, I would say to remain kind of focused on some of those bigger players if you're a long-term investor in the cannabis industry. Um, again, if you do your due diligence, you look inside a company, get a look under the hood, you call their head of investor relations, you have some conversations with them, then that's when I would say you maybe would be, uh, you know, you could maybe afford to take a little bit more risk because you're doing that process and going, checking all those boxes of, hey, what does it look like? What's their balance sheet look like? Because there's just not as much transparency in some of those markets. And at the end of the day, we want to know what we're invested in. Absolutely. And, you know, that that diligence is incredibly important. There's no guarantee that it turns out, but at least you're going in with an educated mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, you know, with companies being, so many of them being pre-revenue, that brings forward a, a different challenge for the investor. I'd like to come to that after we have to take a short break, but we're going to be back with Tommy Mancuso from the Bad Investment Company. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Tommy Mancuso from the Bad Investment Company. And Tommy, you know, company, people who are trying to look and, you know, investing in this space, a lot of the times, as you said, the best opportunities are going to be in the private companies that are going to be eventually going public. But under that circumstance, you also have a more challenging time doing a lot of diligence. What do you look for? Well, as you kind of mentioned, right, we want to see what the market outlook is going to be ultimately. So when we're there, it's it's going to be a matter of what is their sales forecast? And that can be a little bit of a challenge when we look at these companies, because at the end of the day, we don't know what the true demand when we enter a marketplace. Now, it's safe to say if we look what right. it's done in other cities and whatnot. Sure, we can kind of say, well, we may be able to there, but there is some cultural differences, I'd say, or geogra- geographical difference differences where cannabis is maybe more widely accepted, right? I think California obviously is a bigger market where you have a lot more people, a lot more people open-minded to that type of, you know, those type of drugs compared to, let's say, 
Nebraska, which is maybe a little bit more conservative type of state where that market might not be as well on a per person basis or, you know, per capita basis on what their, you know, what the uptake is going to be in cannabis. So we want to look at what is going to be the process in bringing, you know, bringing your product to market. What is the revenue going to eventually generate? One big factor is margin, right? If you're a big producer, your margin's probably going to be better because you're moving more product across state borders. If you're a smaller company, you may have some issues in the supply chain overall and getting your product out there. So we want to look at their overall margin. And then what are the plans to grow, right? That's another thing. If they're just going to be a small, you know, a seed to sell shop, but they only plan on being, uh, you know, in a single state, then that's probably not going to give you much room for growth opposed to someone that maybe wants to go more regional or even national when it's all said and done at some point. So what is a company's growth plan? And then what's going to be their best option? What's their best path to kind of lower their overall marginal costs, getting their product to market, Um, right? It makes a lot more sense for someone who's going to have lower margin if they're a seed to sale shop opposed to just a dispensary where they're more reliant on getting some, you know, some of the uh, buying a, a distributor or a grower, Right. And having to go right. pay all those checks and boxes is there. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it, you know, you're, you're running the ETF and you've got, you know, the those segments which are, um, you know, very well defined. And it used to be, of course, the the brewers, the special craft brewers couldn't ship all over like they can today. But what parallel is there to a prior industry going through any of this type of growth that you could point to? that people could use as an analogy to understand where the opportunities really lie. Because, you know, there's a lot of companies to look at and there's a lot of diligence to be done. But if you don't have a framework and points of reference, it's more and more difficult. Yeah. So I would say kind of taking a step back, what were be some parallels, as you mentioned, breweries, alcohol companies, right? Looking at prohibition, how they kind of all expand. Even some companies in the micro or the microbrewers that we kind of seen come to, to life here, right? We've seen how that process goes in terms of bigger players coming in and acquiring them. I think another kind of way to kind of tell or a little bit of a, more of a similar uh, or more relevant industry would be the gaming industry or sports betting world. Um, we've seen a, you know, a lot of regional casinos and stuff take on sports betting and you kind of see the expansion and the marketing process. Um, and a lot of these companies, especially in the sports betting world, are in making a huge investment in their advertising to capture some of that market cap. So when we're out looking, right, and a lot of this stuff is pre-revenue, we want to see how are they marketing themselves to be set up two or three years out further from now. What is that game plan? What does the, What kind of financial backings do they have? So they can withstand that because a lot of these early on sports books are not, again, they're still pre-revenue right now, or they're not making any revenue. They're just, you know, getting all cash flow and they've got an enormous amount of debt. But again, when we look at them being profitable by 2024, 2025, that's when there's going to be maybe more opportunity. So it's difficult to say in the cannabis industry, who's going to be the early winners or losers. But I think it all comes back to what is the financial background? What is the management experience? Have they been there, done this in terms of growing a business? I would really look at the human capital behind a lot of these companies and and what kind of finances they have that are going to be allow them to be a true player in their market as they look to expand. Yeah, and you know, one point you touched on really early in that was quality, and with you know a lot of the brewers who got picked up and became larger brands, 
it really was because they had outstanding quality in their region and that was something that separated them and it separated them from the perspective of they were the ones acquired but they also were the ones who gave a better return to the investors how are you trying to judge that in this space yeah obviously you know it's hard to kind of get a real look under the hood i would say mm-hmm. but again i think it comes into when you go into a new market and if you're going to be an early adopter or an early investor in somewhere you want to go and experience that product or even have the experience of visiting that growth facility or the dispensary and see what the overall your user experience there. And as if, if it's something that you maybe would go back to and you really think it identifies well with the marketplace, that's something you probably want to take a look at, right? Because some of those, as you mentioned, some of those breweries and smaller companies, it kind of came back to the user experience or, you know, the quality in the product. Um, Canvas, right, has, there's been a lot of research. So you maybe want to look at the grower. Where are they getting their supply from? And that's going to be obviously a huge factor when it comes to, you know, a quality product and something that's going to work in the long run. There's just so many different factors that you need to take into account. And the good news is, as in this day and age, we have access to that. Information is at our fingertips. You pick up the phone, there's investor media relations that you can call. And if you really are looking at making a serious investment or a large investment, you might as well go boots on the ground there because it'll be worth your time at the end of the day when we're talking about your capital that's going to be risked on the line. Well, and yeah, and that's, you know, obviously it's your capital, but you want experts to also give you advice. And, you know, you're, you're an expert from the investment perspective in the industry. How did you acquire the expertise? I would say it was just kind of with my background and looking at financials and companies uh, at the end of the day, right? I've, I've been in the investment world for coming up on, um, you know, my eighth, ninth year. And, you know, I obviously did not start off in the cannabis industry, but it's something that we did want to take a hard look at um, while we were kind of developing this ETF and this betting alcohol and drug ETF because we think the long-term growth cycle in cannabis space is going to be eventually kind of be labeled as a consumer staple. So where did we kind of focus on right now? Uh, You know, that kind of came down to liquidity issues and what type of companies would, or would thrive and, you know, I guess be set up for long-term success in the small cap markets. It's honestly something we've avoided for the most part. Now it's something we keep an eye on as we look at some of these bigger companies look, you know, looking at taking stake in XYZ company here, this company there, obviously we want to pay attention what's going on. But right now, our primary focus is in the larger cap companies. Are they, are we seeing the revenue growth and if, are we seeing their revenue growth and are we seeing their bottom line go down, right? Those are two of our main factors that we want to be looking at quarter to quarter, year over year, essentially. Oh, absolutely. Are- absolutely. And, you know, as you know, I'm going to come in, in a little bit to, in the next segment to a bit about your ETF in particular, but as you're building the portfolio, um, you know, you don't operate in a vacuum. Who do you turn to as analysts? Which ones do you look at as really helping you gain insights outside of your own? Yep. So we obviously, it's it's a world where we all talk in, right? So there's yep. a lot of, uh, in the ETF space, we all play nice together. So there's other fund managers out there that we'll have conversations with. I also work at another investment advisory t- uh, firm that has, you know, 12 analysts here and staff that are are not very far away from me and, and we'll have them kind of take a deep dive behind there. Um, so again, I would say it's a lot of conversations. It's looking at investments research 
And it's also taking a look at the other side, right? Anyone can make a bullish case for, for this industry as it's growing and whatnot. But we also should take a step back and see what are some of the negatives that we could possibly be looking at. And that's where you just kind of look at that contrarian side to some extent, because there's always another side of the other, the, another side to the coin. Um, so that's something we all also want to make, just, you know, make note of that, you know, just because we're bullish and it's, it's, you know, the long-term outlook does look profitable or there's a path to profitability. We also want to see what are some of the tailway or some of the headwinds that we could face. What if government doesn't act as fast in legalizing some of these things? What if there's higher tax implications, you know, when they start taxing this and it's going to drive up our margin? So there's just so many factors we want to play in that what if outlook as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, that perspective is important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, having been involved in the industry and both as a participant and an observer, you know, having the ability to step back and gain perspective makes the observations much more powerful. I know I get calls from people about this, you know, on a regular basis. And these decisions are tough, but it's really when you get under the hood and dive into the companies themselves and do the analysis that you're able to start making those judgments. And, you know, that's where also everybody else's opinion who has already been there and looked at it helps guide you tremendously. And I'd like to come back to. Yeah. And I have one one more comment on that. Another thing we like to do too, is I kind of mentioned making those investor calls and whatnot. I do have a handful of relationships with some cannabis owners and distributors across the United States. And I will, you know, there's a couple that I'll call on a quarterly basis just to kind of get test, see what the temperature is, uh-huh. right, in that market. Has there been a slowdown? Like one one particular group that I have a relationship down in um, Arizona with, when it went recreational a couple uh, last year, um, last January, February, that was a little bit of a surprise. So those distributors and, and the sellers and growers were not necessarily prepared at that time. And that was kind of their busy season too. Seasonality down in, in Phoenix, Arizona, where people are all coming down there and there wasn't enough supply. So having those types of conversations are definitely going to be worth someone's investment time to make sure you're getting a, getting a well-rounded view, not just in your area, but across the country. Absolutely. And let's come back to that after we have to take one more short break, but we'll be back with Tommy Mancuso, the president co-founder of the Bad Investment Company. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Tommy Mancuso from the Bad Investment Company. And you know, Tommy, one point you just mentioned is supply. And you know, my background Among many things I've done around the industry, one of the things that I did was I built one of the uh, producers down in Colombia. And the government of Colombia really did a disservice to the industry as a whole in the the way that they prevented the exports, but really messed up a lot of the opportunities for the companies and delayed it and allowing other countries to catch up, where now until there's really broad open legalization, there isn't going to be the capacity to take all the production that's out of Colombia and prepared. And it's going to be a problem for investors. But looking at it in a more narrow perspective, even within the US, that same thing exists where some states are well in position to overproduce, but won't cross be able to ship cross borders. And other states are going to have a real hardship in terms of acquiring the product legally. How is that going to affect it from an investor perspective? On the one hand, you'd say, well, if supply is short, price is going to go up and it's going to be better for me. On the other, it means there's going to be, you know, there may not be product to put on the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
it goes into that whole you know right now in this industry and it goes back to some of the growing pains that we've experienced is there's uncertainty yep. around some of these things and where i would want to be positioned is in someone that has full capability or more freedom to kind of grow and ship across the states but if again if some of those companies aren't getting their product out to some of those areas where maybe you know they they were intending to well that's going to pose a little bit of a problem with oversupply right there's kind of that balance of you know supply and demand you never want to be over in supply you never want to be under supplied you kind of want to be if anything just slightly over uh, to give yourself a little bit of buffer in there but from you know as a state standpoint i think the cannabis industry and the on the investment side really won't be able to fully you know become that staple that consumer staple household product that we're seeing across the board or asset class until we kind of get some of these banking laws achieved and across and especially allow for you know state travel and shipping across borders at the end of the day and those are you know the the safe banking act has been something which has been out there for a while and it probably is still friction-free. It will pass at some point. It's just a question of time. Whereas legalization, which will bring cross-border traffic, you know, there's there's no guarantee that's going to be anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, MSOs are great because they operate in multiple states and they have their own production in each state. And single state operators, of course, are the norm. Companies that you mentioned earlier, you know, the Aurora's, Tailrays and everything else would look at, and Canopies would look at uh, the U.S., you know, their biggest impact is going to come when cross-border shipping is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, investors have a hard time making those decisions, which is where, you know, a firm like yours comes into play. How do people best get involved in participating, you know, through you and getting the advice so they can also, I assume with your firm, they don't just invest, but they also learn about what's working and where they should make other decisions on their own if they want to. That's a great point. Right now, right, I think a hot topic across just the investment world is financial wellness. Um, one thing our company, that investment company, one to, one of our initiatives is to kind of become one of those independent thought leaders in the community that is really able to relate well with investors. And the best way for that is that we put out an education piece. Follow me on LinkedIn under Thomas Tommy Mancuso. I, well, I'll be posting stuff on there. On the flip side. Our contact information is on our website, which is investbad.com or badinvestmentcompany.com. People can contact me through there and I'm happy to jump on a call and, you know, peel back the onion and go over a type of company or anything of that nature with investors. Um, That's one way we show value indirectly of people remaining invested, you know, in the bad ETF, which we hopefully ultimately what they do. Um, So those are just some of those avenues. Again, I think it starts with conversation, um, you know, and then you want to work your way up after you kind of become well-versed. That's when you can have a little bit more in-depth conversations and look at revenue growth, PE ratios, um, you know, supply chains, the, you know, multi-state operators versus single state operators. Um, And that's one of those interesting subjects while we're kind of talking about that is, you know, as we have, you know, all this infrastructure built outside, maybe up in Canada with the canopies and those companies, it's allowing us to really build out their infrastructure in yep. this 
in the in the in each state, which may you know have pose a, a headwind to some of those Canadian-based companies. The other day, right, they do have the distribution. They are doing a lot more numbers and whatnot across the board. But again, this kind of provides a, a sweet spot. While you know there's a little bit of a lockup here um, in the U.S. in terms of legalization and Safe Bank Act and things of that nature, where the U.S. is going to their infrastructure for the cannabis industry is going to grow significantly, and they're right. going to be better well positioned when these things do all come online. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's that's incredibly true. And, you know, it's hard to, if you're betting on the fact that when legalization happens, some of the big international companies are going to immediately slam into the U.S. market and be have tremendous growth, that's far from a sure thing. Yeah, that's correct. They already have enough problems on without that in many cases. So it's hard to take on that big elephant in addition to it. There really is, right? I think that that's where they'll maybe lean on their experience and just kind of their 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 balance sheets to work into this market. And that's why I probably see a lot of consolidation or acquisition at some point, because it is expensive to launch a new business. And as these states come online, right, there may be some uh, companies that built a hell of an infrastructure, but their demand isn't there, their margin isn't there yet. And that's where you may see some of these bigger players where, oh, we can come in and acquire you. And you're going to be in well better position there at the end of the day. And again, it's just kind of being diversified in this space, I think, is going to be what's ultimately best for new investors here, um, because you're going to have ups and downs in each of these types, I'd say, different types of companies to some extent, whether they're internationally based or U.S. based. There's going to be, you know, this game of yin yang there. There's always going to be that, you know, for the, you know, just before we do have to go. For the people who want to learn more and you know from you and the like, go to investbad.com and look up Tommy, contact him. He'll give you lots of great information. And it's been a really interesting chat, Tommy. Thanks for joining us on the Green Peak. Yeah. And and we're gonna be back with you again next week. I'm Richard Zwicky, and thanks again, Tommy. Thank you. Appreciate it. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.